Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. This one was recorded last week when I was on holiday in London. And in this episode, you can listen to me walking through central London and talking to you along the way. I really enjoyed recording this episode, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to it too, because it's going to be like you're actually there with me, strolling around some of my favourite parts of town, hearing all the sounds of London around you as we go. I think it's going to be great, but before we start, I would just like to mention a couple of things as a preface to this episode. First of all, London can be a noisy place, and so, unfortunately, a lot of the recording I made on this day was not completely clear. Uh, It wasn't completely clear enough for me to broadcast it, because my voice got a bit drowned out by the atmospheric noise and so on. You might find that some of this episode is a little bit difficult to hear, and in fact, I had to completely edit out large sections of the episode because the noise level was just too high. Um, When I listened back to some of it after recording, I was really quite annoyed to discover that the sound of buses, cars, trains and wind made it quite difficult to hear my voice clearly. I've managed to edit out some of the bad bits, uh, so I've kind of removed some of the bad bits and um, I explain the missing content by talking to you here in post-production, but some of the remaining parts might still be a little bit difficult for you to hear. Um, If you do find some of this too noisy, uh, if you find it too noisy to listen to, then I'm sorry about that, and I understand, Uh, but I still hope it's possible for you to follow almost all of what I'm saying. And I expect that most of you are probably not really bothered by the noise, and you're happy to join me on my walk. I love London, and I'm proud to present it to you, even in audio form, and I think that this episode can give you quite a real feeling of actually being there with me. I would, it, it would be a pity to waste the several hours of talking that I recorded just because some people uh, you know, wouldn't be able to tolerate the noise. Um, so I've decided to just upload this episode anyway, even if the audio quality is not completely perfect. I know what most of you might be thinking at this moment. You might be thinking, oh, it's fine, Luke, it's fine, don't worry, it doesn't matter, don't worry about it. And I appreciate that, everyone. But for those of you who are, um, you know, more sensitive to a bit of background noise and if it puts you off or distracts you. I just want to say to you, I know this episode is a bit noisy, but that's just London for you, isn't it? It's just London. It's a noisy place. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, you could could write a letter to someone to complain about the noise in London. Why don't you write a letter to London's mayor 
the mayor of London, Boris Johnson. You could do that. You could write a letter to him, you know, Dear Mr. Johnson, recently, while uh, while listening to an episode of, the, of an award-winning podcast by Luke Thompson, I'm sure you know which one, I was saddened to discover that parts of the episode were inaudible due to frankly unacceptable levels of noise caused by London's buses and traffic. So, I am writing this letter in order to complain about this matter and suggest in the strongest possible terms that you do something about it. Maybe introduce a, introduce a noise tax or simply ban buses and taxis from operating within central London. I appreciate that businesses and services need to operate with vehicles, but this simply cannot be allowed to interrupt our enjoyment of Luke's English podcast. Yours sincerely, L.E. Pepper of the Republic of Freedonia. That's an example of a letter that you could write in order to complain to Boris Johnson about the levels of noise uh, if you wanted to. Right, okay, I realise I'm going a bit too far, okay? It's not that big an issue really, is it? Although you haven't actually heard it yet, so you've got no idea what I'm talking about at this stage. Um, In fact, so you're probably thinking, all right, fine, we get the idea. In fact, you could say, you could say at this point that I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, idiom hunters. There's an idiom for you. Here's another one. Maybe you could say that I'm really just stretching it out of all proportion, aren't I? I'm really, I'm really going overboard on this one. Yes, maybe all of this talk, this introduction is all a bit over the top now, isn't it? All right, okay, that's enough. I don't want to over-egg the pudding by talking about noise levels too much. So that's the last time uh, that I'm going to talk about noise levels now. And so it's definitely now time to get on with this episode of the podcast. So join me now as we go back in time all the way to last week on a trip into central London. In this episode, you find me in London, and uh, I'm staying here just for a week, um, just in order to kind of do a few things. I'm basically on holiday, uh, but I'm also using this as a chance to kind of do a few necessary things that I have to do in London. I'm uh, I'm going to go up and visit my parents in in the Midlands uh, in a few days. I'm doing some band practices, some music rehearsals with my cousin and our band, uh, because he's getting married in September and we're going to perform about seven songs so obviously we need to get as much practice in as possible so we've been in the studio in the evenings uh, last night we were there for about five hours 
Um, tonight we'll be in the studio again for about five hours. I'm playing bass and I'm singing and uh, we're practicing songs. Uh, as well as that, um, well, my fiance and I celebrated our engagement party in London. Uh, it was a chance for us to celebrate with some of our London friends or friends from England who we don't see as often as we'd like. And that was brilliant fun. Um, and what else? I'm doing other bits and pieces. For example, today, the plan is for me to walk into central London. Well, I'm going to take the tube, I think, to Victoria and then walk to my destination because um, I'm going to go and visit the doctor. Okay, don't worry, it's nothing serious. I'm getting some vaccines, some, um, some inocula uh, inoculations. I'm going to go and have some injections uh, because next month, um, I'm going on holiday to um, to Indonesia with uh, my fiance. We're going to go and visit Bali, Java, and Lombok. And in order to be, you know, to make sure I'm safe and everything, I have to just uh, update some of my immune, uh, my vaccines. Um, I've just taken a photograph of my vaccination history, um, which I've got on my computer, and it shows that I had uh, a, a, an injection for hepatitis A in uh, December, and that lasts for 20 years, so I'm covered for hepatitis A. That's nice. Um, I'm also covered for diphtheria, tetanus, and polio, because I had... Um, um, vaccines for those uh, in December 2008 uh, and they last for 10 years so that's fine and typhoid I had an injection for typhoid in December 2008 but that lasts only three years so that's the one I need to to get uh, um, uh, an injection for all right so I'm going to go to the doctor uh, to get my injections um, and um, I've got sort of quite a lot of time during the day so I'm not in a huge rush to get to the doctor um, there's no appointment necessary for this I can just walk in it's one of those walk-in doctors so I'm not in a, ma in a massive rush and I'm kind of on holiday so I'm relaxing and just taking it easy um, obviously I am actually killing two birds with one stone in this episode because um, I should be just relaxing and doing nothing uh, but I'm actually also using this as a chance to just record an episode of Luke's English podcast. Um, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm on holiday. That might explain the slightly relaxed tone that you might hear in this episode. What's the plan for this episode? Well, um, basically, I'm just going to get to my doctors for the vaccination, and you're going to come with me, okay? So we're going to go on a journey into central London, and I'm going to just talk to you on the way. Um, that's it. There's no sort of fixed agenda exactly, other than let's go to the doctor, all right? Um, I might not even talk to you all the way. Um, I might sort of stop the recording at sometimes, and you might not join me all the way to the doctors. We'll see what happens. We'll see how long I talk. But mainly, the thing is that uh, you're going to accompany me um, on this little journey into London. Uh, we're going to take the tube uh, first, and then I'm going to walk. So I'm at the moment, I'm staying in uh, my friend's apartment. He's away on holiday, and he's very kind let me stay here. Um, the apartment is in South London, it's in Stockwell, and um, so I'm going to take the tube from Stockwell, probably go to Victoria, um, that's on the Victoria line, just a few stops to the north, 
and then I'm going to get out of Victoria because I quite like to get out of Victoria and walk to central London from there. Uh, it's, it takes a little bit longer. For, I mean, I could, for example, go to Oxford Circus. Um, that would be quicker, but um, I like going to Victoria because it gives me a chance to go for a nice walk. And uh, the sun is out today, it's lovely sunny weather, it's nice and hot, blue sky, and so it's just a great chance for me to go for a walk through central London. Um, I'm going to go from Victoria, I'm going to walk probably around to Buckingham Palace, walk in front of Buckingham Palace, and then walk um, across the, the, the Mall, and then I'm going to walk up uh, into Piccadilly Circus. I want to avoid Piccadilly Circus as much as possible because it's a nightmare. Uh, there are certain places in London that you shouldn't really walk around because they're just full of tourists and it's just too crowded. Um, and that's places like Piccadilly Circus, um, uh, the corner of Oxford Street and Regent Street. Most of Oxford Street is a bit of a nightmare. Some parts of Charing Cross Road, all the, the, the surrounding of, of uh, all around Soho, the main streets around Soho. Going through Soho is fine, that's great because Soho's really cool, there's like not, lots of nice little shops and bars and cafes. So I'm going to walk up from the Mall, up through Piccadilly Circus, trying to avoid the crowds. Um, I'm going to go through Soho, visit some of the places there. I might do a bit of shopping, I might get a coffee on the way, I might even get lunch, we'll see. Um, and then I'll get up to uh, Oxford Street, cross over that, and I'm going to go north of Oxford Street to um, Wimpole Street, northwest of Oxford Street, to where, where I'm going to find the doctor. Um, as I said, I might not take you all the way there, but you certainly are going to uh, join me uh, for some of this journey. And as I said, no fixed agenda, so I'm not in a massive rush. I might just, uh, I might even stop and uh, do a little bit of sunbathing on the grass somewhere, maybe in St James's Park or something like that. Um, I if I go into a shop uh, or if I go and order a coffee then you're going to come with me and you'll be able to hear uh, the things I say to people in shops so so um, yeah it's like a little uh, an hour or so with a Londoner in London all right um, I, I would suggest if you're looking at ways of improving your English with this well one of the things you can do is just listen to the way in which I describe different things I'm doing I will kind of give a commentary of, of what's going on around me and so there'll be lots of descriptive language um, and it's all completely unplanned um, it's uh, completely off the top of my head as it were I haven't uh, prepared any script or, or prepared any specific bits of vocabulary to teach you I'm just gonna uh, take you through a normal day as it happens and uh, so it'll be completely authentic and natural um, and who knows what's gonna happen people might talk to me and I'll have to reply you might hear some bits of natural conversation occurring um, so um, let's see. All right, so I think we better start. So I'm just going to put uh, this in my pocket. I've hooked up my MP3 recorder to my um, headphones. So it looks like I'm listening to music or maybe having a telephone conversation. Um, so if other people look at me and they think, what's going on here? Who's this guy talking to himself? They will then realize that I'm apparently talking to someone on the phone. So I'm just closing the windows here. I've got to make sure that I um, look after this apartment because my friend has been very generous in letting me use it. So I've got everything, have I? I've got the key, the keys in my pockets, good. Got my wallet, got my phone, got my sunglasses. Don't want to, you know, damage my eyes with this bright sunlight. Yes, it is possible to have bright sunlight in, in London. Um, honestly, it is. And when it happens, when the sun shines in this city, it's absolutely fantastic. London is at its absolute best 
in the sunshine. Uh, you, you must trust me. I know that uh, people think that it never, the sun never shines in, in England. Well, it's just not true. Um, it just doesn't quite shine as often and as, as regularly as you might get in other places. It's hard to rely on the weather, that's the problem, because it's very changeable. Um, so you can't really rely on it. I think in other places you can always be sure that the sun is going to shine, so um, it allows you to plan things. Um, but not in London. So when the sun is shining, you've got to get out there and enjoy it. Um, you've got to try and take the opportunity. Um, by the way, as I'm walking around, I might sort of start whispering a little bit like that, or I might even stop talking for a few moments. That might just be because there's a person there, another person, and I'm a bit self-conscious. I don't want them to think that I'm a, a lunatic or something. Um, so I might stop talking every now and then, and you'll just have to try and work out what's going on by using the different sound effects that you can hear. Um, okay, so I've just unlocked the door. Okay, I'm leaving. Um, so... Again, I have to make sure I'm locking the door properly. It would be terrible if I forgot to do something important like that. Good, the door's locked. Got the key with me. All right, so I'm just walking through. It's a kind of modern building. It's a modern apartment block. Um, right, is that going to make noise? Can you hear that? That's the sound of my headphones kind of shaking around. Uh, I'll try and limit that noise as much as possible if I can. So, um, okay, modern uh, apartment building. It's very clean and fresh and new. Um, unlike some of the buildings that you might find in London, which are very old and falling apart a little bit, this one's nice and brand new and fresh. Um, and uh, lots of fire doors and things to get through. I've got to press the green button to open the door. We're out. Here we are now in, in London, and it is a beautiful day, nice and sunny. So I left the flat in bright, warm sunshine and walked towards the tube station, crossing the street at a busy junction in Stockwell, near Brixton, just south of the river. Some people say it's quite a rough area. I personally think it's okay. In fact, well, at that time of day, there were a couple of homeless people around, which is quite normal. An alcoholic-looking guy stumbled out of a betting shop as I walked past. But generally, the area's okay. In fact, it's got very good transport connections to central London, and the rent is not too high. So I crossed the street and walked to Stockwell Underground Station, and, uh, and I stopped there for a moment to look at a mural. A mural is a kind of picture which is built into a wall. It's like a mural made of small bits of stone. Okay, a picture made of small bits of stone. So I stopped to look at a mural on the wall of the station. And it's a picture of a man called uh, Jean-Charles de Menezes, who was a Brazilian man who was tragically and wrongfully killed by police who thought that he was a terrorist back in 2005. So that's what you can hear me talking about now, just outside Stockwell Station. Okay, just crossing over the road. The, the green man is lit, so I'm crossing over. That's to get into Stockwell Station. There's a mural on the wall here at Stockwell Station. A mural um, for a man named Jean-Charles de Menezes. 
um, who is a Brazilian guy, and it's a tragic story what happened to him. Uh, back in 2005, just after we had uh, terrorist attacks in uh, in London, uh, we had uh, Al Qaeda terrorist attacks um, in central London in 2005, uh, in, when. Um, Bombs were set off on tube trains and on a bus, um, and it was terrible. Um, well, after that, the police were like really, really paranoid and sort of like really scared it was going to happen again. And unfortunately, there was an incident with uh, John Charles Dimenezes where the police thought that he was a terrorist and they thought he was going to set off a bomb because he was carrying a rucksack, he came out of a building in which um, the police believed that there were terrorists uh, operating and this poor Brazilian guy came out and the police followed him because they thought he was um, they thought he was an Al-Qaeda terrorist, they were completely wrong um, and I mean this is what I understand, I mean uh, I'm, um, this is not necessarily the official version but this is, as far as I understand this is what happened um, he then went into the station here at Stockwell um, and noticed that the police were following him apparently he kind of rushed through uh, he rushed through the gates um, because I think, he, I think he started to sort of run away from the police because I mean probably he was really nervous that he was being followed by these people he didn't understand why and he rushed into the station the police then rushed after him because they thought he was a terrorist and ultimately um, they chased him into the train and they thought that he was going to set off a bomb and he was shot he was shot by the police and killed and he was completely innocent and it's a terrible tragedy, it's horrible. And so now here there is a, a mural on the wall to commemorate uh, John Charles Dimenezes. Um, and people leave flowers there and, and, and so on. And it's, it's very, very sad indeed, but it's a nice uh, mural. Um, I just um, feel very sorry that that occurred here. It's a tragic moment. But anyway, here we are at Stockwell Station. And um, I'm just going to enter the tube. It's, not, it's, a, it's a Tuesday. No, it's not. It's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, um, sort of midday. And um, so there are not that many people. Well, normally there would be loads of people here if it was the weekend. But because it's uh, Wednesday lunchtime, there are fewer people than normal. But there's still lots of people. So I've got my Oyster card ready. You have to get your Oyster card ready before you get to the gates. Because if you stand in front of the gates for ages trying to find your card, then um, you're going to delay people. So you've got to get your card ready first. So I've got my own card here. Oh, oh there's a problem with my Oyster card. I'm sure this means I have to top up. Right, so the light went red and it said seek assistance. So I think I've got to top up my Oyster card. So I'm just going to... Um, Go to the Oyster card reader and see what happens. Touching it. Okay, I've only got 40p, so I'm going to have to top up. Right, top up, pay as you go. I'll put £10 on it. That'll be enough for, for a couple of days. Um, stick the card in there. Alright, my card payment is being authorised. Stick in my my pin code. These machines actually are very quick. They, they take your money super fast. They're very good at taking your money. Um, Alright, good. My Oyster card has now been updated. Excellent. Well, that's quick, isn't it? You can update your card super fast. I guess they've designed that to try and prevent delays, which is very good.
right, we're through the gates, we're, on, we're into the underground network and I'm taking the Victoria Line northbound. So I'm going to take the escalator to go downstairs. Here we are on the escalator. It's very important in London that you stand on the right when you're on the escalator. Okay, remember that. Stand on the right so that other people can walk past you on the left because everyone's in a hurry in London. Everyone's always in a rush. So you've got to remember that when you're here as a tourist. Stand on the, stand on the right. Let other people walk past you on the left. Don't stand in any, everyone's way. And try not to block up the corridors. For example, if you see a tube map, then you need to, you need to stand in front of it to find out where you're going. Then um, try and make space for people to walk past you. When you get onto the platform, don't stop there at the entrance to the platform. You should walk along the platform because otherwise you're going to create lots of congestion. So these are standard things you should remember. Get out of the way. When you get on the platform, walk along so you make space. Be careful of trains as they come in. Okay.
generally people are pretty good on the London Underground. I mean, they, they sort of try and keep out of each other's way. Um, it's part of the sort of, it's the sort of unspoken culture in, in the Underground that you try and make space for other people. You don't stop on the platform when there's lots of people there. You try and keep to the side if you're going to stop. It's a, it's a massive transport system, the underground, and you always get a sense when you're on it that you're part of a quite a well-organized system. It's quite impressive. It's very, very old as well. In fact, it's the oldest um, underground train network in the world. on the Jubilee line. No problem, I'm not using it. So I'm actually surrounded by people here. Everyone's taking the escalators to go up to the exit. Some people standing on the right, other people walking on the left. quite common to see someone standing on the left and other people walk up behind them. They might even say, excuse me, in order to encourage the person to get out of the way. Okay, and here we are at the gates again. Time to get the Oyster card out. century I expect. Um, right, time to exit the station and find my way around to Buckingham Palace and started on my walk. I could get a coffee here but not yet. Um, I'll save it for later. I'll probably wait till I get to Soho or something like that. See if I can get my coffee there. I know a few nice little coffee shops that will do me a decent one. I could just go to Starbucks or Cafe Nero, but it's nice to buy your coffee from an independent coffee shop. Starbucks, um, I'm, I'm, I think they're doing quite well without me, to be honest. They don't really need my business that much. Plus, Starbucks also don't pay enough tax in England, which is um, annoying. They, I don't know if, they, if this is still the case, but certainly they, they managed to find a way to avoid paying um, the relevant, the correct amount of tax. They've got clever accountants 
it being such a huge business means that they're able to um, they're able to uh, find ways of avoiding tax legally, even though they should be paying full tax. They still they don't. So I'm not sure I want to encourage them by buying more of their coffee. Although sometimes I do, just because it's the only option. I don't have any other options. If you want a coffee, you have to go to Starbucks. Uh, it's complicated, isn't it, living in the modern world? Um, even buying a cup of coffee becomes a complicated moral choice. Um, it should be anyway. I think it should be a moral choice. I think people should be aware of what they're doing. Um, right, anyway, talking about being aware of what they're doing, I have to just make sure I'm going in the right direction here. There's lots of um, like roadworks happening outside Victoria Station at the moment, and uh, that makes it a little bit difficult to get around. So just give me a moment, I just need to make sure I'm going in the right direction here. So I left Victoria Station and I walked along Buckingham Palace Road. Um, and actually, this is quite a good walk if if you're following my route. You could actually you could actually take my route and use it if you want to go on a walk through London. It's quite a nice route from Victoria around Buckingham Palace up through Piccadilly into Soho. Um, there's lots of different. There's so many different walks that you can do in London. This is one that I like to do. Anyway. Um, uh, so I left Victoria Station, walked along Buckingham Palace Road. Along that road, there is a wall um, on the left, and on the other side of the wall is the the garden of Buckingham Palace. Um, and uh, you can't actually get in there. Uh, it's quite a high wall with sort of spikes on the top. It's you know the private garden of uh, of the Queen. Essentially, you can't you can't just go in there. Um, I mean, it would be nice if you could just sort of knock on the door. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering if I could uh, just have a look around your garden. It's not very normal. Maybe if you kicked a football, you were playing football, and the ball went into her garden, just knock, 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 you know. Uh, hello. Um, yeah, sorry. Can I have my ball back, please? I, I don't think that it works that way. Anyway, you can't go in the gardens of Buckingham Palace. Um, so you just have to kind of wonder what it looks like. I've never seen it myself, but I imagine it's a very beautiful and well-kept garden, um, which is private. Uh, there are parks, of course, in front of Buckingham Palace, St. James's Park and Green Park. And of course, uh, the public are allowed to go everywhere that they want in those parks. And you can walk or lie down on the grass. It's very, very nice, especially on a summer's day. It's lovely to go there, get yourself an ice cream or something and just sort of have a seat on a park bench or lie down on the grass and have a picnic. There's a pond there with uh, loads of ducks and swans, geese, um, and even pelicans. So, all right, ducks, swans, geese, and pelicans. Do you know what these birds are? A duck um, is kind of like about the s- slightly bigger than a pigeon. Quack, 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 quack. That's a duck. Um, swans are very elegant, white, very large white birds. Long neck. Uh, like there's a there's a ballet, isn't there? Swan Lake. 
Okay, swans, white, elegant birds. You always see them around castles in England and places like Buckingham Palace. Uh, they say that in in the UK, all of the swans in the country are the property of the Queen, and it's actually um, it's actually a crime if you uh, endanger a swan if you damage it. Some people some time ago were arrested for catching and eating swans near the river thames uh but you can't touch them well you can touch them but you can't hurt them or kill them or anything because they're the property of the the queen um so they're kind of royal birds let's say um swans uh, geese geese are like ducks but they're just bigger same size as a swan but um let's say they have a similar status as a as a duck all right uh, long neck large bird they could be very protective of their their young, and they can work as a kind of guard for your for your home. If you have a if you collect if you have geese, like normally you have a dog, right? A guard dog. So if someone an intruder comes near the home, the dog will go woo 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 like that. Well, geese as well can be very protective, and they'll go like that. They kind of hiss. Anyway, the geese in. Uh, in St. James's Park are all very friendly and nice, especially if you give them bread. They, they love that. So ducks, swans, geese, and even pelicans as well. They have pelicans in St. James's Park. Pelicans are very large birds. They're white. Um, they, they're very large. You normally find them near the sea. And the distinctive thing about a pelican is that they have a huge beak uh, which can carry loads of fish. They've got a huge beak with like a big sort of bag underneath and they can keep loads and loads of fish inside the, uh, the their beak, right? Uh, so they have pelicans there as well. And a while ago, I remember that there was a video going around on the internet um, of a pelican actually eating a pigeon in St. James's Park. And I've, I have found the video of it. There's a little 30-second news report where you can see a pelican just going for a pigeon and just grabs the pigeon and swallows it. It's it's horrendous. There's like uh, children there, sort of feeding the ducks and everything. And then this, and there's oh look, mummy, a pelican. And the pelican just suddenly goes whoom and just takes out this pigeon. Wow, incredible uh, scene. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, it's quite dramatic. Um, I didn't see that on my walk. Um, so I walked along Buckingham Palace Road next to the Palace Gardens. Um, as I said, and that's next to a very busy main road, and the noise was a bit too much. I talked about what it must be like being the Queen. I talked about the royal family and the Queen, um, and said things like, I expect it's probably a lot of hard work actually being the Queen. It might even be quite a lonely life, because she's the only one. Obviously, she's got Prince Philip, and she does live in luxury, but I'm sure it's kind of quite hard work, and... uh, weird it must be strange to be the queen you're not the same as everyone else it's like being different it must be like being an alien or something although i'm sure the fact that she you know eats the best food and gets all the most comfortable comfortable luxurious uh treatment it must be that must take the edge off it i suppose um and i wonder what she's like i've i've I get the impression that she's very strict on her children and on her grandchildren, like Charles and William and Kate. I think probably Kate is having a bit of a bad time with the Queen as as her mother-in-law. I mean, imagine the Queen as your mother-in-law. A mother-in-law, ordinarily a mother-in-law would, you know, is hard work enough. But imagine if your mother-in-law was the Queen, the Queen who 
in her mind is like the head of the nation and the commonwealth and yet she's got no actual power so she doesn't get to control anything the only thing she gets to control is like what goes on within her family so i'm sure she can be really quite controlling but who knows i don't know i don't really know what she's like personally at all she might be lovely she might have a cracking sense of humour. We, we don't really know. I have talked about the Queen on the podcast before. I do wonder about her sense of humour and what she's really like. Uh, but while I was walking, um, a lot of what I said uh, was drowned out by traffic. So I can kind of um, just summarise what I said to you. Uh, on the podcast now. I also spoke about the Queen's power and how our democratic monarchy works and the difference between having a president and having a monarch. Uh, But as I said, unfortunately, a lot of this was drowned out by the sound of traffic. So let me just try and sum up what I said now. People sometimes wonder about why we have a Queen and a royal family in the UK. And people also suggest that it might be better to have a republic instead. Um, It might look like Um, rather an old and feudal system, a kind of medieval system, uh, which is based on the idea that the Queen or the royal family have a special covenant with God. Um, I mean, like, what is this, Game of Thrones? Um, We're not living in the medieval period anymore. But if you disregard the craziness of the idea of monarchy and actually look at the UK monarchy for what it is, um, you'll see that although it is a slightly strange system, it does work pretty well for the UK in general. There are plenty of people who disagree with that, but generally speaking, the way we've arranged our our democratic monarchy kind of works out all right for us. You should remember, of course, that there was a revolution in uh, the United Kingdom, in England, uh, back in the 17th century, there was a revolution. I, th- I did talk about this recently on the podcast. I did one about Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I talked about uh, democratic monarchy. So I don't need to go through it again. But you know that we did kill the, our, our monarch and replace the, replace the monarch with a, a kind of republic. And then we decided it didn't work. Let's go back to a monarchy again. But we'll strip the monarch of their power and just keep them as a figurehead because it seems that the population quite like to have a royal family that they can sort of um, celebrate in some way and it helps to create a kind of unity in the nation because the the monarch represents our heritage and and our history and you know history and having a sense of a story is quite important so um so yeah we have monarchs that don't have any power basically you know so that we have them as as just purely representational uh figureheads um so without wishing to criticize republicanism because it works fine in in plenty of other countries in the uk it seems to work uh like democratic monarchy seems to work out quite well for us um in a republic such as the usa or in france the president has um an executive and representative function. So he leads the country and he also represents the country in state ceremonies and just generally as a figurehead of the nation. Um, it's an incredibly important role and that can lead to some issues. Uh, people, for example, want to look up to the president and they want to celebrate him or her as, as he or she represents their nation. And yet the president also has a responsibility to run the country and answer to the wishes of the citizens. So um, perhaps people shouldn't be shouldn't be too deferential to the president, because ultimately he's just a, a civil servant who works for the people. 
You know what I mean? So you shouldn't like put this person on a pedestal because they're 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 just an ordinary person like anyone else. I suppose the way it works in America is that they have a kind of narrative, the American dream, which is that anyone, regardless of their status, can make it to the top and become the president. And so when someone becomes the president, you know, they, they celebrate that. It's like an American story. Uh, but in the UK, we just have a different narrative, you know, uh, and, it, and, and it still works in terms of um, something that unites the, the nation. Um, so, um, sure, we can respect the president if he does a good job, but often people want to have a figurehead who is sort of above or separate from the political system. Um, in the UK, the responsibilities are split between the monarch and the prime minister. The prime minister, um, at the moment, that's David Cameron, but in a couple of years, we will see. Uh, the prime minister runs the country and the queen just represents, not in a hip hop way. I mean, she's not like, yeah, you know, I'm saying I'm the, I'm the queen. I'm going to represent Britain and Ting. She's not a hip hop rapper she should be because i don't know how much i don't know how much free time she has uh maybe if she's interested in sort of appealing to the younger generation maybe she should start rapping i i don't know what what kind of uh rap style she would throw down but i'm sure it would be pretty magisterial uh anyway so the prime minister yeah so the queen represents and the prime minister runs the country now they do actually meet each other once a week uh, they have tea together. That's right. The Prime Minister goes and visits the Queen and they sit down and they have tea together. So she kind of has an audience with the Prime Minister. Technically, um, she actually invites the Prime Minister to, to set up a government and run the country. Uh, she, you know, she sort of, they have to ask for her permission. Um, technically but it's just a kind of it's just a bit of, of tradition um but yeah they have tea once a week um so she does have an audience with the prime minister she probably sort of asks him so you know how's how's everything going with my i don't know how does she speak the queen my name's the queen so how are you doing with my country you know and he's probably sort of, he probably bites his tongue and he probably wants to say, well, I, I think, um, Your Majesty, I think you'll find it's actually my country. Thank you very much. But he obviously he can't say that. Um, so she asks him about how he's running the country and she probably sort of says, well, you know, make sure you do a good job now and, you know, don't, don't mess it all up. Um, she does have minimal powers like inviting the Prime Minister to, to, to open Parliament and she also has the, the power to agree new laws which are passed by Parliament. They go through Parliament and then at the end of the process she kind of stamps it like, yes, I agree. She doesn't do it personally. It's done by the, it's done by the palace, you know, some member of staff. But she never uses these powers. You know, she never uses these powers. The last time she didn't agree with a law or the last time a, a, a member of the royal family didn't agree with the law was hundreds of years ago. Um, 17 something, I believe. I might be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That's a quiz question for you. When was the last time a law was not agreed uh, by uh, the the monarch in the UK? If you want to, you can Google that. Uh, but it was a long time ago. So she doesn't use these powers. So this means that Brits can, the British people can celebrate the Queen as the head of state, knowing that she doesn't actually have any decision-making power and that she doesn't express a political preference. And then we're kind of free. It leaves us to be free to criticise our Prime Minister, 
without having to be overly deferential or respectful towards him. Because basically his job is to run the country. So we shouldn't lift him up to the position of someone super special. He works for us. He's got to make sure he's doing the best thing for us. So there's no need to like treat him like a king. Um, the Queen's job is to give us a focal point for national pride without letting political views get in the way. So that's how we can celebrate the Queen without it affecting our way, without it affecting the way our country is run. In theory, there are people who say that the fact that we have a, a royal family in place and that we have this sense of respect for these people somehow perpetuates the idea that there's inequality in society and it prevents uh, social mobility and so on. I refer you back to episode 202, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, in which I go into these things in a little bit more detail. Um, let's see. So uh, hope f- it's a very complicated issue. It's very complex with all kinds of opinions regarding the pros and cons of having a royal family versus having a republic with a president. I've dealt with this before on the podcast in episode 103, which was entitled The Queen and the Royal Family, uh, which featured an interview with English Robot 4000, one of my English robots who's particularly curious about the constitution of the united kingdom um so you can check that one out if you want to episode 103 the queen and the royal family but for now let's get back to my walk through london and i believe at this point i've just arrived at buckingham palace um this is going to be at least two episodes uh but um let's have a little bit more you'll probably hear me walking along the mall walking towards um piccadilly circus uh, crossing over the mall walking up towards Piccadilly Circus. So here we go, let's let's catch up with me on my London walk again. and there are the there are the royal guards there's a whole procession of royal guards walking in front of me all the tourists are here out in force looking at them and the royal guards there must be about 50 of them or something um, with two police horses behind them walking across the mall um, they must be going round uh, Buckingham Palace they're probably going to enter from a, a different entrance or something but that's it's always quite an impressive uh, sight to see the royal guards marching across uh, in front of Buckingham Palace like that in their red uniforms with their um, black bearskin hats or helmets. Um, it's always quite an interesting sight to see that. Um, and the tourists love it, don't they? I think that's probably mainly just for show. I think it's just just for the tourist benefit, really, the, the Royal Guards Parade. But it's quite fun. It's, you know... There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. I'm sure there's people out there who could argue that there are many, many things wrong with uh, this uh, this monarchy that we've got in place. Um, but 
I'd like to hear those arguments actually. I'm always up for hearing different points of view. That's the way in which uh, you kind of develop the right opinion, isn't it? Um, I, I think it's important to keep a, an open mind, and I'm ready to be convinced. Um, I'm ready to be convinced that my opinions are not true. And if someone's able to convince me, then um, then great, because that means that my my knowledge and my opinion will advance. And you know, it's like the sort of scientific approach that you take a theory or idea and you try and disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, then it must be valid. You know, and, you, and, and you're ready to change your your mind or change your opinion if if you're convinced that you're wrong. I'm ready to change my opinion. It's ridiculous to hold on to opinion and just hold on to it no matter what the arguments against it are because ultimately if people have got a decent argument with evidence then you should uh, you should be willing to go along with it um, right I'm now stuck in tourist hell um, surrounded by tourists in front of Buckingham Palace We've got the Victoria Memorial here lots of people taking photographs everywhere I'm just trying to cross the street so I can get out of here um, and it's a bit tricky that um, Lots of people, and, and actually it's quite a busy road here at the uh, at Buckingham Palace. It's kind of in a big junction. Lots of big roads meet here, and so it's, it can be a little bit dangerous. There's like tourists with suitcases and children crossing the road in front of these cars that are racing around the corner. If you do come to this part of London, I would say just remember that you're still in a, in a fully operational city with cars that need to travel you know, from A to B at speed, and so you've got to be careful. Watch out for cars, watch out for cyclists. Um, okay, I'm just gonna, just crossed over the barrier there, and I'm back onto the pavement, walking along. <laughs> I just walked past the Rasta who's selling, I think he's selling weed, but he's brave. <laughs> I just heard him saying, uh, smoke weed. Like, okay, right, what a brave place to try and sell drugs, right in front of Buckingham Palace with all the royal guards everywhere. Well, you know, it's a modern country, I suppose. Um, cannabis or marijuana is obviously still illegal in the UK and in London. There was a time when it was decriminalized. Some time ago, it was reduced down from a class B drug to a class C drug. Um, class A drugs are the most serious ones, you know, things like heroin, cocaine, and so on. Class B drugs are slightly less serious. I suppose that includes things like amphetamines. Not sure, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's amphetamines and maybe ecstasy. And then class C would include the slightly less serious drugs that um, have a slightly less serious uh, penalty. So cannabis was reduced to class C. Uh, but then it was it was raised back up to Class B again, I think by the Conservative Party. So it's still very much uh, illegal, and it can be very serious if you're caught in possession of, uh, of a Class B drug. Uh, generally, I think the culture in London is that people are fairly tolerant of cannabis, but only in certain areas. Uh, I don't think it's wise for people to walk around trying to sell it or, or even smoking it in the streets. Unless you're in, you know, like Brixton or something on a Friday night or certain other places, you can get away with it. Um, but uh, no, it's still illegal, so 
uh, people should watch out for that. I can't believe I saw that guy dealing, but he must he must do quite well. I'm sure that people I'm sure that people buy from him if he's doing it. Right, so I'm now walking along the Mall. Walking along, and it's actually really nice. I love this place. I know it's full of tourists, but it's just a really nice spot. On the right, we've got St James's Park. Lovely green park with like a little hill that, that, that uh, goes down towards um, a pond there. And there's nice trees, some sunshine, some shade, places where you can sit down and have a picnic. The, the Mall itself is nice and broad, red tarmac. Then you've got like a gravel surface to walk on. On the other side of the, the road you've got um, um, some other sort of important buildings that uh, are owned by uh, the royal family, including, um, let's see, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, there's a kind of castle there. And that's where Prince Harry used to live, but for some reason the name escapes me, but that's all right. I'm on holiday, you know, that's fine. I, I know that probably some people might think, don't you know every single building in London? Well, frankly, no, I don't, and I don't think most English people do. Um, um, I know that in some countries you learn every single important state-owned building in the centre of your capital city, like, for example, in Paris. It's common for everyone to know all the big buildings, but I think in Paris it's um, it's slightly different because, well, it's a smaller place and there are slightly fewer big landmark buildings. London has got its landmark buildings like Buckingham Palace and um, the Houses of Parliament and so on, but there are so many impressive-looking and interesting buildings in London that there's no way you can you can learn absolutely all of them. I mean, there's just too many, um, all with varying stories and different. Uh, different uh, levels of importance and so on. So it's, uh, it's difficult to remember them all. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, you know, um, don't judge me too harshly if I can't identify absolutely every single building that I walk, walk past. Um, there's big gangs of tourists here. You might have been one of these tourists at one point in your life. If you ever went on a trip to London with a, a group of tourists, you probably were one of those gangs of teenagers who walked around the city following some guy with an umbrella in the air. Was that you? It may have been. Um, I hope you had a good time. Sometimes these tourists look a bit bored. I think it, it, it can be a bit boring to go on a tourist, you know, like a tourist tour. Um, it can be a little bit boring because you're just following someone around. It's much more interesting to explore a city and find out, you know, find out about it for yourself. Just go on a little adventure of discovery, go and get lost and see where you end up. That's often a, a much better way of discovering the city. London in the summertime. It is fantastic. Joggers running around, tourists, people like uh, office workers getting their lunch. Um, people, are lo everyone's looking beautiful as well today in the sunshine. Lots of, uh, lots of attractive, happy people. Um, and now I can see now through a gap in the trees, uh, Big Ben. Um, it's always nice to see Big Ben through the trees like that. I can see across the park there are lots of uh, lovely deck chairs where you can you can actually rent a deck chair and you can then sit down in comfort 
and enjoy the view, enjoy the sunshine, and you can you get a glimpse of Big Ben there in the distance. Um, that's it's always sort of magical when you see a big uh, monument like that. Okay, couple of police, couple of police motorbikes going past there. I wonder what they're uh, looking for. I hope it's not our Rasta friend who uh, I walked past earlier on. I don't think they would uh, race across the city to arrest him. Um, but uh, who knows? Who knows what's going on? A couple of people doing a bit of uh, sort of calisthenics exercises in the park, trying to keep fit. Lots of beautiful women everywhere. Oh yes, London in the summer. It's a nice place to be. Um, taxis, loads of taxis were driving around. Yes, I got the black, there's just tons of black cabs in this part of the city. Uh, in this part of the city. The traditional ones are, are black, but there are lots of different colours and designs of those taxis. Uh, you get sort of silver ones, you get gold ones, you get ones with newspaper prints all over them. The best ones are just the standard old-fashioned black ones. They're really good cars, those taxis. Really, really good ones. Really well designed. Like, for example, they've got loads of space in the back. You can fit you can fit about five people seated in the back of one of those taxis with luggage. Um, and also, like for the driver, they're really good because uh, they can turn in a quite a tight circle. So if the driver needs to make a U-turn in the street, you can just the driver can just turn quite easily. Can you hear these joggers jogging past me? Really? I guess it's a way of keeping fit, you know. It must be a great place to jog here, actually, along the Mall. Quite a lot of space. Um, the ground is, is sort of appropriate for jogging. I heard that it's bad for your knees if you jog on, on tarmac. If you jog on, on the pavement or on tarmac, it's going to be bad for your knees. So. Jogging on this surface must be a bit better. God, that guy looks like he's having a hard time. You know when you see some joggers and they're just like in pain? Ah, 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 like that. I just think, wow. Well, on one hand, I think, good. You know, you're doing, you're, you're uh, doing something very healthy. You're keeping fit. Good. On the other hand, I kind of think, just stop. Just have a glass of water. I know why they're doing it. I've talked about jogging before and I've got it now, okay? I understand what it's all about. I go to the gym these days. I don't jog, but I do go to the gym. I'll talk to you about that later on. Um, now I can see the London Eye through the trees across the park. The London Eye, of course, is that big wheel. It's like a Ferris wheel. Uh, it's really big. It's got these pods that go all around the edge. And you can uh, sort of walk into a pod. It takes about half an hour to go all the way around, and you get really great views of London. Really, really good ones. I think it's one of the biggest observation wheels in Europe, and it's—I um, mean—it's worth going on it. It definitely is. It's a little bit expensive, just like everything in London. It's a bit expensive, but it's very well designed. It's very efficient. You can get lots of tourists through it. You know, you don't have to queue up that much, especially if you book it in advance. I definitely recommend that. Um, and uh, it could be good during the day or um, in the evening when the sun is going down. And it's even good at night if you have a clear night because you can see all the city lit up. It's great. Um, I would suggest that you do that at the end of your visit because um, you'll be able to identify buildings that you've seen from the ground. 
and finally you get to see the whole of London from the from the sky and you kind of know what you're looking at at that point and you should do you could you could do it at the start as an introduction to the city and then you know once you've had a global view you can like go down onto the street and walk around remember London is a incredibly big city and so much of it is spread out. It's not just in Zone 1, it's not just Buckingham Palace, the River Thames, Big Ben and all that stuff. It's also the, the tons of other things. Uh, it's quite nice to walk along the river. You can get onto the river at... Uh, hello? Can you hear me? Okay. You can get onto the river um, at Westminster, just at Big Ben, cross over Westminster Bridge onto the South Bank and walk along there in the in the in the in an easterly direction. And uh, keep walking around and you see the London Eye, you can see um, Embankment Bridge, uh, Waterloo Bridge, you get really great views of the city from there. And if you keep walking around you get to um, Tate Modern, which is a really great modern art gallery, free to get in. Keep going and eventually you'll get to um, the Tower of London and Tower Bridge um, and uh, in front of the Tate Modern there's a, a, a new bridge called uh, Millennium Bridge and it's great to walk over that because you get nice views of uh, St Paul's Cathedral and you can walk up check out St Paul's Cathedral and then find your way back into the centre of London from there. That's just one little tour. You could also instead of crossing over at Millennium Bridge you could go back to Waterloo Bridge, cross over there, and you'll find yourself in Covent Garden. And then you can walk from Covent Garden, you can walk through Covent Garden, and then walk up Neil Street, Neil Street, and there are loads of shoe shops and clothing sh shops there. Keep walking up there, and, if, and you'll kind of find your way to uh, Tottenham Court Road, just the sort of uh, junction between Tottenham Court Road and New Oxford Street. And then there you are at the, the end of Oxford Street, you, you can walk into Soho, um, uh, you can walk along Oxford Street if you want to, although I don't recommend it. You've got lots of good shops on Oxford Street, Top Shop and all that stuff. Um, but it's always such a sort of tourist trap. So now I've just uh, left the Mall and I'm now in Waterloo Place, which is just sort of... Uh, just south of uh, Piccadilly Circus and there are, it's, it's great, I love this spot because you can kind of see up the hill, there's lots of statues and things um, and uh, quite a nice open space and um, let's see, there are Boris bikes here, um, Boris bikes are like uh, bicycles which you can rent and they are, it's like the city cycle hire scheme you can have these, these bikes that are sponsored by Barclays. They're called Boris bikes because people say they were introduced by the Mayor of London, whose name is at the moment Boris Johnson. When I say at the moment, I mean he's the Mayor at the moment. It's not that's his name at the moment and who knows, next week he might change his name. No, I just mean that the current Mayor is called Boris Johnson. And when, you know, just a few years ago he introduced these Boris bikes and they've really caught on, they're great. Uh, you can just rent one for an hour or you can rent one for the whole day um, and uh, they're pretty cheap and then you've got a bike, you can just cycle around the streets of London, it's a great way to get around. Um, they're quite well made, they're quite solid, a little bit heavy, 
but they're good for the job. They, they're strong and tough bikes and they're good for getting around. If you do cycle in London, I'd be careful. Obviously, it's a, it's a busy city and uh, it can be a little dangerous if you don't watch out where you're going. Remember that we drive on the left, of course, so look both ways before you cross the street and all that kind of thing. Um, also, in, in London, the drivers generally have the right of way. Okay, so um, when you're walking around, crossing the street, just make sure that you do look, look very carefully to the left and to the right uh, because uh, the drivers have the right of way and they come round pretty quickly. In other cities, you might find that the, the pedestrians tend to have the right of way so people can just walk through the streets quite freely and uh, the drivers will sort of stop or, or pay attention. But no, in London, the drivers tend to just um, tend to just assume that no one's going to walk into the street unless they're at uh, a zebra crossing. So just you know, be careful when you're walking around. And it can be a bit confusing because here we drive on the left, of course. In most places, you know, you drive on the right. You're wrong, you know. You should drive on the left because uh, left is right and right is wrong, remember? I'm joking, of course. Um, feel free to drive on whichever side you want, as long as it's the same as everyone else. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, because we drive on the left, it can be a bit confusing when you're crossing the street, you know? Like, it's you're not used to it. Like, it's difficult to remember which side to look at. So the best option, of course, is just to look both ways. Always look both ways. And it's not just because you're not used to the cars coming from the right, but also because in some parts of the city, there are complicated junctions and one-way systems, which mean that the cars could come from the left, they could come from the right, they could be coming round from behind you. So it's always worth just having a good look around uh, because the cars do not expect you to just walk in front of them. They're not ready for it. They think that they could just drive through the centre of the city at some speed. So just be careful. Um, right, I'm now I'm crossing over Pall Mall. Um, crossing over Pall Mall here. I'm just going to walk up uh, uh, Waterloo Place a little bit further. I think I'm going to get to Haymarket. Um, and then I'll be approaching Piccadilly Circus. That is the end of part one of this series of London-themed episodes, but uh, you'll be able to catch up with me in part two. And do you want to find out what happens? Do you want to find out whether I made it successfully to the doctors to get my uh, injections? Um, do you want to find out about uh, how it was trying to buy lunch? Do you want to find out about the excitement of drama, of ordering a coffee, and uh, and like buying some water? It was ex- it was an exciting and action-packed day and you can catch up with the rest of it in the next episode of the podcast where you'll hear me wandering around different other other different parts of london we go through soho 
and uh, all of the interesting things there. You'll be able to find out all about it in the next episode. All right. I hope you're enjoying this this trip through London. Um, but uh, for this first part, it's time to say goodbye. So I'm going to do that right now. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, it's goodbye. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.